Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. From 49 yards, I give God all the glory. I give God all the glory and the video editors a lot of glory on that too. But hey, so glad that you're here. I want you to know, first of all, that uh, you are here on purpose. You're not here by accident. God does not make any mistakes. So if you are in this uh, room taking part of this service or at one of our campuses and right now linking up via video screen, uh, two of our campuses are linking up and we used to go crazy here welcoming them, our Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street campuses. Let's go crazy here. And the same, the same would be true for you. Uh, you are there on purpose, and it's going to be a great day. I'm excited about uh, sharing God's word. Before I do, we, we want to draw a couple more uh, names or a name because uh, we still got our grand prize of the television. And what we did is now we've combined all of the names from our guests here and at our both campuses are in the one pile. And so someone's going to win uh, the television. And so I'm going to go flip them over and stir them up. And there's a lot of cards in here from all of our campuses, and so I pulled out, hopefully, your card. And uh, the winner of the television is uh, Emeritus Nieves, and that's here at this campus, I think. Where are you at? Is my Caucasian uh, version of that name? All right, we got it? All right. We're gonna find you after service, or you can come to one of our info desks, and we'll get you hooked up with that TV. And don't forget, next week, next Sunday morning, is the uh, marriage, well, marriage conference is next Sunday night, but next Sunday morning, our services will also be talking about kind of family, relationships, that kind of thing. Josh, let's do this, come back. I think we should give away a, a marriage conference too. It's, uh, as you saw, so let's do that. And if this person that I'm drawing is not married, then I just encourage you to give it away to somebody who is. But um, Morena Mong, Mange, Morena Mange, maybe. Uh, again, Caucasian description. All right, so if you're, uh, if you're married, come to the conference. If you're not, or you can still come to the conference, but you can give the conference away to somebody that you know. But uh, let's jump in uh, to, to the word here in just a moment. I, I wanna just quickly say thank you to our creative team, to our media team, to all of our volunteer teams for making today happen, amen. It's been so, so much fun. Uh, this is Super Sunday. We've kind of been calling it Supernatural Sunday because we believe God's going to do some miracles in this place today. But it's Super Sunday, and I had a friend actually, I got uh, this message on my phone. A friend of mine had tickets for the Super Bowl, wanted me to make this announcement. I know it's last minute, but maybe somebody might uh, be, uh, you know, be able to take advantage of this. But friend of mine, he had two Super Bowl tickets, 40-yard line, right in the middle of the stadium. He paid $5,500 for each ticket. I mean, they're not cheap. But what happened is he didn't realize when he bought the Super Bowl tickets that it was going to be the same day as his wedding. Uh, I think because this year's NFL season was 17-game schedule, normally it's 16-game schedule, so I think he got his weeks mixed up or some wanted to be part of his honeymoon. I don't know. But now he's got the conflict, and he's looking for somebody to take his place. And like, if you can afford it, 
uh, then maybe you would be interested in this. And so if you want to switch places with him, uh, all you have to do is show up at Calvary Church this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Um, the bride's name is Maria. She's five foot six. Great cook, real attractive. Um, so he'll be at the game, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We should probably go read some Bible right now. Let's do that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, I'm going to teach from the Word of God today. The Bible is the truth. That's usually where we kind of say amen around here. Amen. Yeah. The Bible is the truth. It's not our truth or your truth or people talk about it. People have, well, I have my truth. It's not it's not my truth just because it's me. It's, it's the truth. And I'm going to teach from the word of God. Uh, and Jesus is actually talking a lot in Matthew chapter, the gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. In it, he gives all of these very small parables. And he's just given little short little stories and parables. Six of those parables begin with the same phrase. They begin with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And uh, the 44th verse is one of those very, very short parables that's gonna be our focus today. And it begins the same way the kingdom of heaven is like. And when, the, when we see this phrase, or just before we get into this, the word kingdom of heaven means more than just heaven. Heaven is a place, but the kingdom of heaven is what happens when humanity comes, the moment a, a person comes into right relationship with God, they're living in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I've come that you could have life to the full. That begins the day you come into right relationship with God. It's kind of like we live on heaven, a little bit of heaven on earth until we die and go to heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven is broader than just heaven. It has to do with our whole existence as we live in right relationship with God. Keep that in mind now as we look at this very small parable that Jesus tells, this one verse parable that begins this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all he had and he bought that field. I want to speak today for just a few moments on the topic, finding your field goal. Finding your field goal. The goal for your field, I want you to find it. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us today. Lord, I pray right now that there would be an anointing upon this word. God, I accept the assignment not to talk about you, but to talk for you. And so God, give us ears to hear what you are saying. And God, give us the courage, the understanding to respond and to react and interact with your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, as we get ready for this Super Sunday and this finding our field goal, um, uh, I started to research and I heard about a player by the name of Jim Marshall. <clears throat> Jim Marshall was an incredible uh, uh, defensive lineman, Played, uh, had a 20-year career, literally never missed a game his entire 20-year career. Played for the Minnesota Vikings his whole career, and uh, some like 280-something games consecutive, never missed a game, two-time uh, pro bowler, and uh, just an incredible career. But he's most known for one particular play 
This happened back in 1964, uh, and let me tell you what happened in that play. Um, and I, if I told this story, it would sound better if we like had you know like that NFL films music playing behind, but we probably can't do that. So uh, maybe we can. <laughs> the year was 1964, October 25th. The Minnesota Vikings were in San Francisco to play the San Francisco 49ers. Looked like the Minnesota Vikings had the game won. Early in the fourth quarter, they were leading 27 to 17. It especially looked like they had the game won when the quarterback for the 49ers, George Mira, drops back and completes a pass to Billy Kilmer. Billy Kilmer, the running back, catches the ball, makes a play, then he loses the ball. At this point, that's when Jim Marshall picks up the ball and takes off running by himself as fast as he can, running to the goal line. And as he runs to the goal line, he tosses the ball thinking that he has scored a touchdown, but he had gotten mixed up and he ran the wrong direction. He ran to the wrong goal line. So instead of seven points for his team, he scores a safety for his opponents, at which time they have to kick the ball off again to the 49ers and now they have the ball. The game ends up being close. The Minnesota Vikings end up winning the game, but it was the most embarrassing moment of Jim Marshall's career, as you can imagine. And Jim Marshall has been interviewed about that play many, many times. As a matter of fact, right after it happened, some of the 49ers players come and congratulate him, just rubbing it in. He had been interviewed about that play many, many times. And I read a couple of the interviews that he gave about that particular play, and a couple of those interviews really caught my attention. I want you to listen to what Jim Marshall said in these interviews. He said it was tough when it happened. This is years later. This is a 2015 interview. He said, I, told, I, I took my football career very serious, and to make that mistake, of course, is something that you don't want on your resume, but mistakes happen. And then in another interview, Jim Marshall said this, and it just really stuck out to me. About that play, he said, he was describing it, and he said, seeing the ball loosed, when I picked it up, and I saw that goal, he said it just triggered something in me that was pick up the ball and run. And so he did that. He picked up the ball and ran. And he said, that's exactly what I did. But listen, he says this. I did it without getting my bearings. In other words, I ran towards the first goal I saw before I got my bearings. Can I just say that today is kind of about making sure that we have our bearings Jesus talked about uh, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure hidden in a field. Listen, we all are doing life in our own field. It's just the field of life. And we're doing life, and if we're not careful, we can just, without getting our bearings, we can start running towards the wrong goal. We can start doing life heading in our field, but heading the wrong direction. And so today is a day where we just all kind of stop for a moment and let the word of God help us and go, am I running the right direction? Is my eye on the right goal? I mean, what would cause us to miss the goal? If, if we think about this little one verse parable, this one verse story that Jesus tells, and he says the kingdom of heaven is this treasure hidden in a field, what would keep us from finding our field goal? Well, I think one of the first things that would, that would jump out that would maybe cause us to miss our treasure would be this, miss our, our, our goal would be this, 
Sometimes we can get too distracted to discover the real treasure in life. Sometimes we can just get so distracted by, by all the other things in the field. Imagine this guy walking around the field, and yes, the treasure's there, but think about all the other things in the field that he could have been focused on. Think about the trees and the animals and the birds and whatever else was in the field. He could get so distracted by all those other things that he misses the treasure. Now, here's the thing about the treasure that was hidden in that field. You can miss the treasure. I mean, the treasure is not impossible to find, but it can be missed. And I want you to remember that when it comes to the treasure representing the kingdom of heaven, it's not impossible to find, but it can be missed when we get too distracted. I hope that 2022 is going great for you. But 2022 kind of started rough for me. It started really the day before on New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve morning, I ran out of my house and I went and did just to three places uh, just that morning. I went to the car wash. I washed my car real quick. I was vacuuming out my car. Uh, and then I went to two other places. I got home. We sat around the house for an hour or two. And then the family, we were all going to go somewhere. When we got ready to go, I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. And I knew I'd had it that morning at the car wash. I remember my wallet sitting there on the console while I was vacuuming out the car. I'd only went to three places. And so I immediately went back to those three places. I went to the car wash and said, hey, did you find a wallet? And they said no. And I went to Dick's Sporting Goods. That's the other place I had gone. I didn't buy anything there. I just looked at some shoes, but they didn't have my wallet. And then I went to Circle K. That was the third place I went that morning to get hydrated with a little Diet Coke. And uh, I went there. They didn't have my wallet. And so I, I couldn't. I started searching everywhere. And they, my family was going somewhere. I said, y'all just go. I got to find my wallet. I turned my house upside down. I moved my bed. I moved my couch. I turned my car inside out looking everywhere for my wallet, and I still haven't found my wallet. And right now, I'm surveying the crowd to see if anybody has any guilty looks on your face, because if you have it, I'm coming after you. All right, everybody looks good. But I noticed something, and I'm still looking for it. Like, even when I come walking in the, in the house, I'm still, like, as I'm walking in, I just look all the time through my grass, and just because I'm thinking maybe it just fell out as I walked. When I got home that morning and I walked into the house, I had some stuff in my hand. Maybe I, maybe I dropped it, and so I'm just constantly looking, and I noticed something about myself in the midst of all this. There's such a difference between a life of distraction and a life of dedicated search. Because before, on that morning, I just was distracted by the other things that I had to do. I was just washing the car. I was just running to the sporting goods place. I was just getting a soda. And I wasn't thinking about the treasure that is my wallet. And trust me, it's my treasure. You know, like I had those credit cards and it had my uh, driver's license. It even had some cash in. I'm not even going to tell you how much. I had a little bit of cash in there because it was right after Christmas. And <laughs> right? So it was a treasure. But when I'm distracted by so many other things, I'm not really paying attention to the treasure. And I noticed that once it became time where I'm like, okay, once I miss that treasure, a dedicated search is so much different than a distracted life. And you think about it, like how would any of us miss the treasure that is the kingdom of heaven? How would any of us miss Jesus? Because he's one of the most well-known figures in human history. So how do we miss Jesus? Well, here's how we miss him. It's because of what the Word of God says. The, the God of this age, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, talks about Satan, who is the God of this age, who has the ability to throw all the distractions at us, right? Get our mind going all these other directions. 
Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And now they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They're unable to see the gospel. They're unable to see the treasure because they're so distracted by so many different things. If you think about it, we're all living life like just searching for purpose. Like we're just all kind of searching for like, why do I exist? Why am I here? And without God in my life, I really don't know where to search for that. And so I can start searching for all kinds of things, like doing life, thinking life is just about a bunch of temporal things. And the thing about temporal things is they just don't last. I mean, there's stuff on this stage that's valuable, it's awesome, but if I was gonna tag it temporal or eternal, I would tag it temporal, like this keyboard right here. It's nice, it probably costs you know, a couple thousand dollars, it makes beautiful music. Nick was playing it earlier, it sounded great. But one day, this keyboard is just gonna rust. It's gonna rot. It's gonna no longer make beautiful music. It's just, it's just temporal. I mean, even the game this afternoon that everybody's gonna be so focused on, millions and millions of people watching and cheering and going crazy, but it's just temporal. Like in a few years, that game's not gonna matter and no one's even probably gonna remember it in, in, in a couple decades or something like that. And so uh, it, it's temporal. And some of us, we, we live for sports and we think it's such a, like it guides our emotions, but it's, it's just temporal. I mean, even over here, this, this drum kit is, is awesome and it's, uh, it costs, you know, it's valuable, uh, but it's just temporal. At some point, it's gonna rot. Now, most of us aren't like, living our life according to these temporal things that we've looked at so far. But maybe for you it's something else temporal. That has been your goal. Maybe for some of us it's been the, the feeling of, of a high or the feeling of some sort of, uh, you know, like I need something just to numb what's going on in my life. And so we, 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 we take something into our body just to forget about what's going on and to experience some sort of high or some sort of sensation. And what happens is that sensation doesn't last forever. It goes away, leaves us feeling empty. Maybe it's a, another pursuit you've had. Maybe it's like, man, I, just a particular lifestyle I'm trying to get to. And if I could just get out on the water, if I could just get a boat, if I could get a certain level of status and everybody would see my social media, then, then, it would be, well, then I would really feel the fulfillment, but it's just temporal, like none of that stuff lasts. Maybe for some of you it's, it's, a, it's about business or about the, the, the business that you've been trying to build and you've spent a ton of energy, like man, your time is focused on that, your energy is focused on that. You don't have time to find the real treasure in the world because you're so focused on building a, a business, but no matter how great the business gets built, it's temporal. Think about great companies, great organizations that were killing it, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and they don't even, they're not even operating anymore. Think about money. I mean, everybody thinks that they need more money uh, to, to do whatever, but money, both literally and figuratively, it's temporal. It goes away. Just ask me on New Year's morning, on New Year's Eve, like money, it's temporal. Uh, maybe it's a house that we think, man, if, if I can just get my, my new house, and you might have the newest, biggest, strongest house in the city. But guess what? In 50 years, 40 years, 80 years, it's gonna crumble, it's gonna go, it's gonna go. Maybe, maybe it's, it's the car that's out in the parking lot. Maybe you have the best, prettiest Lambo in the parking lot, right? Like maybe that's just like, it's, it's there and you're so proud of it, but it's just temporal. No matter, no matter what, that thing's gonna rust, it's gonna lose its value. And what can happen is we can get so focused on all these temporal things that we walk right past the treasure. So distracted 
that we miss the treasure. Second Corinthians, I like the way Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 18 says it. It kind of tells us what we should be focusing on. Look at it, it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, in other words, not on the temporal. That's not where my focus goes. I fix my eyes instead on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. It's all gonna go, it's all gonna burn. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. We've gotta put our focus on what is unseen, what is eternal. And so if I'm looking around this room, if I wanna tag something that's, that's eternal, that's not temporal, let me tell you in this room, What's eternal? You know what's eternal in this room? You're eternal. You know what's eternal in this room? You're eternal. I'm not talking about your flesh and your blood. I'm not talking about the cells in your body. No, I'm talking about the soul. The soul that's inside you is gonna, is gonna spend eternity somewhere. We think that if we live to be 100 years old, we've really done something. But there's something so much longer than a life spent on this earth. This field that we're doing life in now just gives us opportunity to prepare for eternity. My soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. And if I take my little 100-year life, it's just one drop in the bucket of eternity. You are eternal, which is why we can't afford... We can't afford to allow temporary uh, things to get in the way of an eternal treasure. And I guess if we think about missing the treasure for temporary things, there's kind of a word for that in the Bible. It's a word whose definition is to miss the mark. It's a word called sin. And some of these things don't have to be sin but they become sin if it causes us to miss the treasure. The goal of the field is the treasure. And if, like when they were throwing those footballs, if they didn't go where they were aiming, if they didn't hit the target, they missed the mark. And that's what happens. We can get so focused on all the temporal things that we miss the mark of experiencing life on this earth, but living for the kingdom of heaven. I sat down a week or so ago with a former NFL player, 10-year NFL veteran, Jason Avant, and we kind of talked about some of this stuff and the treasure of living in the kingdom of heaven, and so I want you to check this out. It's uh, such an honor, man, for, uh, for you to join me, Jason. This is Jason Avant, and uh, let's see, what, what was it, eight years in the league? Is that what it was? No, I, so I, so I ended up playing 10 in, 10 in NFL. I played eight with the Eagles and two in Kansas City. Wow. So talk to me about yeah. the football journey for you and your life and the NFL journey and kind of how you ended up there. Uh, I'll say um, I, I didn't want to play football. It wasn't something that I that I actually loved to do or anything as a kid. Like I'm from the south side of Chicago, one of the worst places to live in the country. And um, as far as crime and as far as violence and things of that nature, 14 people living in a, a single family home, really, really tough. Every night, you know, because my dad was gone, my mom was gone, I had to sleep in the same room with my grandmother. And she would lay her hands on me every night. Lord, do something special in this life. Change, get him out of this neighborhood. Let his heart be yours. Save his soul. Like these are the things she would pray for me every night. Smack my head with oil. My coach made me go out to football and there was this one coach out there, his name was Coach Walton. 
toward the, the end of that year, he put oil on my hands. Like, so like God, Jason, God's spirit's on you. He's going to anoint your hands to tell people about him. But at starting playing football, I became like the number one player in the, in the, in, in the state like that. Hmm. I was like 26 overall player in the country like that. And it was like this hidden talent that I didn't know that I had. Yeah. You know, and um, what happened was is no matter where I would go, what I would do, my grandmother's prayers will hunt me down. That's right. That's so good. So I had to make a decision on um, where I wanted to go to school. I get to the University of Michigan. The only roommate left is the pastor's son. It's the only roommate left. And the first day, first day I'm in the room, he slaps some oil on me. Lord, do something special wow. in his life, life, this whole thing. Later on that year, he gets hurt and he says, hey, Jason, come to church with me. May 4th, 2003, I came and I started to follow Jesus and um, I uh, I surrendered my life to him that day. Wow. So me serving Jesus would automatically um, lead to like harsh, like, you know, criticism and frustration from my teammates. And I remember going back to the locker room that Sunday because we practiced on Sunday after church um, and thinking every thought that came to my mind came from like, had, went through like a filter of Christ and how I had to be different. And, uh, and from that point on, I started to serve God and God blessed me to be able to represent him well um, in college and also the pros telling people about Christ. Now, was it all hunky-dory? No, but um, I can honestly say that God allowed me to be a witness for my time in the NFL. And that's kind of my story. You know, Christ has come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Yeah. Um, so he's going to enhance your life and enhance your family and yeah. clean up those things that have been bogging you down, that's been um, weighting you down for so long. He's going to make your life better. You may not have the answer for it, but the answer is in him. Yeah. And you may not have the strength, but he does. It's the best decision that, that any of us can make. It's the most important decision. The other aspect to that to me is, is that he changes our desires. Yeah. As we get closer to him, the stuff that we hold so close, it doesn't matter as much anymore because our desire, and if he can change your mindset about something and your desires about it, 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 the thing that you're holding on to is really not that important because he can do that. He has the power to do that. Like, and that's it, my, the appetite just changes. Yep. That's so good. And that's incredible. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this, man. It means the world. Oh, no, no problem, Pastor. You have a good one, Pastor. All right. All right. Yeah. You can give it up for my new friend, Jason Avant. We're hanging out, man. I told him if he comes to Orlando, he's got to come see us. So he said he was going to. So the distractions can certainly cause us to miss the real treasure, but let me, let me bring something else out that sometimes can as well. We miss our goal sometimes when we just underestimate and undervalue the treasure. In other words, we get in a place where we go, okay, I know that this exists, and I know that the kingdom of heaven, and I know Jesus, and I know, I just don't know if it's worth like everything I would have to do to like come in alignment and be in right relationship with God. I don't know if it's worth that. I want you to look at what, uh, the, that verse that we read, verse 44, look at what it says again. It talks about when this man finds the treasure, look at what happens. He hid it again, and then in his joy, look at the disposition that this guy has as he goes and he sells all that he had to buy the field. 
to, to think about having joy as you sell everything you have just to get the money enough to buy this field, that's a, that's a tough disposition to get in when you're giving up everything. But he does because he understands the value of the treasure. It's worth, it's worth it all. I read this story this week about something that happened about uh, nine years ago. This couple was on their own property up in the uh, Sierra Nevada uh, mountains. They, it's in California, northeastern California. And uh, they were there walking their dog on their property just doing life. And as they come across this one area, um, they, they see this tin can kind of barely sticking out of the dirt. And it catches their eye. They had seen some other things on their property before that caught their attention. And this one, they, they decide to go down and they kind of start digging around, around it and they pick up the can and it's heavy. And as they pick it up, the <clears throat> top of the can was kind of rusting away and so it kind of opened up. And they saw and they, they carried this heavy can back to the house and ended up being inside that can a bunch of gold coins. Not just any gold coins, but gold coins that had been minted in between 1847 and 1894. So these are very, very old coins. They go back to that spot, dig up more, end up getting eight canisters filled with these gold coins. Just the face value alone of the gold coins ended up being about $28,000. Now, that's what they were worth back at in 1900. $28,000. If you took $28,000 back in that time, it would be the equivalent of like, like $575,000 this, this time. So that's with inflation. So this is what they found. But because of those coins, because of the history, because even the weight of the gold, they were able to take those, those gold coins that they found and they sold them for more than $10 million dollars coins that they just found a treasure that they found on their field as they're just out walking now here's what i would present to you what happens if they're out on the walk with the dog and they see that can barely sticking out of the ground and they decide ah it's not worth it that's not worth my energy it's not worth the trouble of getting down and getting on my knees and trying to dig this out this is not worth me getting my hands dirty over what would happen if they just walked past because they undervalue and underestimate the treasure? I'll tell you what would happen. Their story would be different. Their life would be different. And that's what some of us have the temptation to do at times is we undervalue. We go, I mean, well, what makes this kingdom of heaven, what makes this treasure in, in my field so valuable? Let me tell you what makes it so valuable. Better yet, let the word of God tell you what makes it so valuable. First Peter chapter one, look at it, verses 18 and 19. It says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. God paid a, a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited. Save you from addiction. Save you from all this temporal stuff that you've been chasing after. God paid a ransom to save you from that because none of that stuff leads to anywhere. And it was not paid. This ransom was not paid with mere gold and silver. I mean, that's temporary treasure. No, this ransom was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless 
spotless lamb. When I sin, when I miss the mark, it wasn't just anybody that could come and pay the price of my disobedience, pay the price of my sin, but only God in human form, sinless, spotless, a perfect sacrifice can come and now die in my place, shed his blood for my sin. That's what makes this kingdom so valuable. Because it was God's blood shed for us paying the penalty of sin. That's precisely what makes this kingdom so viable. That's the only thing that could save us from this life of empty distractions, an empty way of life, the sin that, that will always, sin always separates us from God. And this is the only thing that could save us. I think about Jesus telling them this, these parables in Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus he, he was never like short. He was never too worried about, about telling his, his disciples, uh, you know, how life was really going to be. They, these disciples had given up the security of a normal life. They were risking the threat of imprisonment and torture all the time. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus goes and he's teaching the disciples and he's predicting even worse lifestyle. It's going to be even tougher. And maybe as he's has explained to these followers that life on this earth may not always be perfect. Maybe that's why then in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 44, he says, but, but the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Oh, and when a man found it in his joy, he goes and sells everything to buy the field so that he can have the treasure. It's like he was reassuring his followers back then it's worth it. It's like he's reassuring some of us today. As maybe we wrestle internally and go, I know, but is this, I mean, is this worth it? What I would have to give up, is it worth it? And with a resounding yes, Jesus would say, yes, it's worth it. It's always worth it. People in this room have done that very thing. Submitted it all to God and said, I'll take the treasure, and you won't find anybody around that regrets it. I read a story years ago about a remote village in India, and this happened centuries ago, but in this remote village in India centuries ago, they got word that the king was coming to their village to visit. The king had never been to their village before, so it was big news, and they were already starting to prepare. Everyone was so excited about the king's visit. Nobody in the village was even any more excited about the king's visit than the uh, village beggar. There's a village beggar that kind of everybody knew, and he would just go to the same spot every day, and he'd hold up out a can. He'd say, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, and he'd get a few maybe pennies or the equivalent of it in his can and then he would take that and he would go buy rice and so he actually had two cans one where he would try to get the money and the other can he would hold his few grains of rice that he was able to purchase and when he heard about the king's visit, he was he was more excited than anybody matter of fact the, the, the village started to get things ready and put in place they would send a lookout up on the top of the hill and he would go there every day to see if today was the day that the king was coming and usually at the end of the day he'd come down kind of disappointed this went on for weeks and one afternoon, the, the, the lookout was up on top of the hill, and he comes running down. He says, today's the day the king's coming. So everybody starts to get everything in place and look as perfectly as they can. And the beggar's sitting there in his spot, and he can't wait. And here comes the king. 
with whole, all of his entourage, everything's so royal, everything's so rich, and he's passing through the village, and everybody's on point, everybody's smiling, and when the king is as close to the beggar as he's ever going to be, the beggar takes a deep breath and takes a risk and goes, arms for the poor, and he holds out his can. And the king looks over at him, and at that point, the beggar's heart kind of stops for a second because he thinks, I'm going to get in trouble for this. I'm probably not even allowed to do that. And the king begins to walk over and gets close to the beggar and looks at him, and he just starts to survey, and he sees the two cups. And then the king says something that the beggar never expected him to say. The king goes, give me your rice. And the beggar kind of is a little bit mad at that point, to be honest, because he's thinking the king has everything. He has everything in the land. He owns it all. And yet he's going to ask me for my rice? Like, I don't have anything. How, how could he do this? And he was tempted to get up and just walk away. But instead of that, he takes his cup of rice and he reaches in and just pulls three grains of rice out of his cup. And he sets the rest of the rice down and he holds out those three grains of rice for the king. The king holds out his hand, takes those three grains of rice, nods, and he says, give me the bag of gold. So his servant unties this burlap bag of gold and it goes down in the dust, all the ground goes everywhere and you hear the gold coins clank as this bag goes down. He reaches in and he pulls out three gold coins. And he takes those three gold coins and he drops and everybody hears those coins hit the, the can. He says, put it away. Servant puts it away, and the king continues his journey through the village, never comes back to that village. And what the beggar can't understand is, why am I not happy right now? He lays awake that night, can't hardly sleep. He had just gotten more money in that one day of begging than he'd ever gotten before. He got more money that one day of begging than he'd probably gotten his whole life begging. And yet, why do I feel so empty? Why is there such a void? What is going on? And it finally, the thought occurs to him, this question over and over just keeps going in his mind. And here's the question that keeps running in his mind. He starts thinking, what if I had given him everything? What if I had given him what he asked for? What if I had played by the king's rules? He started thinking, where would I be in the kingdom right now? What would I have right now if I had just trusted the king and given him everything? And that thought stayed with him the rest of his life. Here's the thing. I, 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 would, I would hate for any of you that when you finish this little portion of life that we have on earth and we step into eternity and you stand before God, which we all will, I would hate for any of you at that moment to have this feeling of regret and say, but what if that Sunday I had just given him everything? What if I had just played by the king's rules? Where would I be in the kingdom right now? Who would I be? Because it is worth everything. And it's just a matter of trusting God with everything. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.